Ion 2020 episode 188. Have 2020 vision with Ion 2020, your source for the news and events in the lead up to the 2020 presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date daily until November 2020 with a libertarian perspective on the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for joining me. Now let's clear our vision. Hey, what's up, everybody? Ray Eaton here, the host that brings you the show Monday through Friday that's going to bring you the news and events of the 2020 election. This is I on 2020, your source for that news and all the stuff that goes on in the 2020 election. I just try to make sure that you're so well informed that when you're having conversations with your friends, you can convince them on a libertarian message towards uh, maybe not voting libertarian, specifically voting for the most libertarian candidates that you can find. That's what I always do. I always try to focus on not just specifically libertarian candidates, although I do think that Nine times out of ten, the Libertarian candidate is going to be the better choice of anybody else in that field, especially if they're Democrat, Republican, or Green Party, or wherever else. Just because that—that's where I—that's where I fall uh, politically—is on the Libertarian side, right? But um, so I'm going to have a Libertarian spin on everything when you're listening as well. So if you like Libertarian politics, if you like Libertarian issues, if you like someone that's taken the issues of the day and the issues of each of these politicians, and then you like hearing it from a Libertarian perspective, well, hey. This is where I'm at, and that's uh, this is your this is your show. This is the place that you can come to to hear that that spin. But also, then again, if you just like to hear a different point of view, you can continue to come back every single day and listen to this show as well. Because I'm going to give you a different point of view from the Republican and the Democratic side. Sometimes I criticize t- Donald Trump. Sometimes. I'm in agreement with the guy. Same thing with these other candidates. Sometimes I'm even in agreement with like Bernie Sanders. As far left as he is, he's good on a lot of the uh, anti-war issues and stuff. So uh, I'm going to give him props where his props are due, but I'm also going to criticize where criticism is due. So do do know this, that you're in the place that you're going to get a libertarian look at the 2020 elections. Okay, that's what the, that's what the show says when you grab when you put it on your podcatcher so anyway guys uh thank you for joining me though if it's your first time listening you can subscribe to the show and that's going to help you to hear the show tomorrow if you've been listening for a while and you really like what you hear five star ratings and reviews are always helpful so i appreciate you doing that as well so today what i wanted to talk about though because i always usually follow a couple different topics throughout each show right and i was just thinking about this one and i was I was doing a lot of research over the weekend trying to find information on this whole Ukrainian thing that's going on with Donald Trump where he supposedly uh, was talking to like a Ukrainian foreign minister or something about investigating Joe Biden's son. And I was I was looking for information on it, right? Because there was a, I guess it was the Wall Street Journal published a report on it. And there was no, like it, it was a the person that, I guess they got the information from was from a whistleblower who is trying to remain anonymous. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, so if it's uh, if it's in the Wall Street Journal and they're going to try to remain anonymous, they're going to try to back it up with some facts and everything like that. So I start looking at trying to find the facts and I just start looking even further. Like that, that's what I do whenever I hear a story, especially something like that, where there's obviously, I mean, if he is doing that, that's a, that's an absolute gross abuse of power. 
holding off uh, because the idea is that he was he was going to hold off foreign aid to Ukraine unless they investigated Joe Biden's son or something like that. And that's a gross abuse of power on the part of the federal government, especially or not the federal government. That's a gross gross abuse of power on the for uh, you know to the elect executive to do that. Absolutely, you know something that they should not be doing politicizing things like that, right? Especially when you're dealing with foreign affairs and stuff. And uh, so I'm starting to look into it. And it just got me thinking, like, as I start doing Google searches and everything, I was just like, man, I can't find anything that's not biased towards one view or the other. So when you start Google, if you Google this thing, if you put in something to the effect of uh, Donald Trump, Ukraine, Joe Biden, uh, you know, and then you type that into Google... You put in news, so I always, I always hit the news button, and then I'm looking for the most up-to-date news. And every single piece that you find is an opinion piece based upon someone else's point of view, whether they're coming from the right or from the left. So they're going to defend them or they're going to criticize them. But it's hard to find the real truth. It's really hard to... I and mean, that's what kills me about looking through the media, looking through the news, trying to find stuff online. Is it's hard to find the truth. It's hard to find the facts of what happened. And that's what I was trying to do. So I was going to cover that this um, thing that's going on with Donald Trump and the Ukraine issue. But I couldn't, I mean, I was looking for things to cite. I was looking for sources that were going to tell me a little bit more than what you're hearing on the news. But it's all opinion beyond beyond just a few key facts that were kind of talked about in this Wall Street Journal article. Just a few teeny pieces of facts and that's it. But it's all from a whistleblower that's trying to, that's trying to remain anonymous. So there's no secondary sources. There's no, you know, person that's another person that they interviewed that kind of says the same thing. There's nothing like that, right? Corroborating evidence, I think is what they call it. There's nothing and uh, so I'm looking for more and more, and I, all I'm finding is opinion pieces and hit pieces and, and what Joe Biden's saying and then what Elizabeth Warren is saying and what all these other candidates are saying. But they're all just, listen, or they're all just listening to the news and hearing the same things that you and I are hearing. They don't have any added knowledge about this situation. They have nothing more, no more information than what we have. And you know what? Elizabeth Warren's on the campaign trail. So she doesn't really have time to sit there and read news articles and things like that. Her job is to come up with a, you know, a, a tweet really fast that condemns Donald Trump. And then it gets on the news that she condemned Donald Trump. Then Joe Biden gets on the news and says that he's condemning Donald Trump for this. And then you got the Sean Hannity's of the world and the people that are going to defend Donald Trump. And they're doing their thing to get as much information out there as they can about this on the positive side. So it's all spin at that point. And you start searching through the pages and there's just page after page after page after page of just spin. And that's all you're hearing is spin at that point. There's no way to find the truth. There's no way to find the facts. And I'm sure the facts will come out over time. That's true. But it's not something I could cover now on the show because there's no facts out there. There's Donald Trump denying that he did it. Obviously, he's going to deny it till the end, right? That's what he does on everything. That's what everyone does on everything. That's what all politicians 
doing everything. They just deny, deny, deny. Because that's what they're supposed to do. Because if they don't, obvious. I mean, obviously they won't. They won't admit to anything that they ever do. I mean, look at um, Bill Clinton. Still to this day, won't admit that he had an affair with Monica Lewinsky. But obviously, the dude did. You know. So they're just going to deny it. And then the people that are going to criticize him, they're going to get as much media out there trying to criticize him as well. But between you and me, the people that are on the outside, we're looking in on it. And we can't get any facts whatsoever. All we hear is the political propaganda. And they listen to the news and it just drives me absolutely bonkers that you can't get any good information out there. You look at the media. So I was I was thinking about this. You look at the Fox News, CNN, MSNBC. All they're going to do is spin it their way. And Fox News on the conservative side, MSN, MSNBC and CNN on the, you know, the Democratic side, I guess, the liberal side. Then you get into the alternative media with podcasts and and on the on the internet and RT and all these different places. And you're going to get the same spin from their side of the point of view. I mean, my show is the same thing. I'm trying to give you my spin from a libertarian point of view, right? So we all have our points of view, and it's impossible to be completely neutral when you're writing an article or when you're talking about things. But for you and me, if we're trying to just get the facts, it's almost impossible. It's almost impossible. So I was going to cover that, and I was just thinking to myself, that's what I want to do this show on today now, is the idea that it's impossible, it's, it's very hard to find, you know, the first sources of this information. It's very hard to get past all the spin and the propaganda when you're looking into the media. I try very hard to get past that, and I can't. I can't. It's very hard to find true information, just the facts, so you could form an opinion that's based upon those facts, because... Every article that you find is going to be someone else's opinion on these things. It's the same thing with, like, climate change and global warming in that debate. Like, I've had a hard time forming a specific opinion on it, except for this, that the, the atmosphere is like the, an international commons, right? They say that the idea of the uh, tragedy of the commons is that if you had a common area in the middle of town where, you know, a bunch of sheep and goats can graze, right? A common area that everyone can use that there's no ownership to. Everyone's going to try to utilize that source to their maximum potential. But then by doing that, you would have some over-harvesting because if I have five cows that I want to graze on this five acres, and I start off with, or I, if I have two cows and I'm going to graze on five acres and, and five acres can only handle five cows, my neighbor's going to put his two out there and it's a race to see if you can get the second, the next one out there so we can make, so we can maximize our gain from that common area. But as soon as you split that down the middle and say, okay, you get two and a half acres, I get two and a half acres, then we're going to manage our acreage the best that we can rather than putting a sixth cow on there, a seventh cow, an eighth cow, until it's overgrazed. We're going to utilize my two and a half acres with two to three cows on it. And that's it. (coughs) Property ownership causes people to maximize the utility of that property. Whereas common ownership causes everyone to overuse that resource, right? So when you have 
the atmosphere, you have the air around us, the air that you breathe, that's a common area, right? So everyone's going to maximize their, their use of it by pump, I mean, by pumping out carbon dioxide and other, you know, other gases that cause the warming, other greenhouse gases, they're going to pump them out as fast as they can because there's no cost to them at all. They just pump it out. And at that point, at, at what point do you draw the line? At what point do you say, hey, this is a common area. We need to divide up ownership. Well, there's, it's almost impossible to di- divide up ownership of something like that. But you can figure it out. I mean, they divide the air. Before the government stepped into dividing the airways, which is like the radio waves, the radio wave spectrum, people treated it as property as well that particular particular spectrum in a specific area there would be ownership of it that way and then the government kind of stepped in and divided it up among people and started giving everyone licenses and stuff like that beforehand before the 1920s i think it was before 1928 it would go through tort law at that point it would go through the loss the the, the use of the courts if i declared ownership of a particular area where I started broadcasting in the 96.7 radio frequency in a specific area. I was the first person to use that area with that. So I homesteaded that particular radio wave. But then over time, the government kind of steps in and and uh, starts creating laws and licenses and stuff like that. But you didn't need the laws and licenses. But anyway, that would have been outside of the government. So there's got to be a way to divide up the common area of the air and everything around us but then again you have international like china could pump out as much as they want to american can pump out as much as we want to and so forth our businesses could pump out whatever we want to and their businesses do as much as they want to and nobody's held accountable anyway because it is a common so that's the only thing that i find on the global warming debate i try to figure out how do you manage that without the use of a government, without the use of force. And I I still haven't figured out how to make that happen. I wish I could, but I haven't figured that out yet. So in that particular, in that, with that particular issue, I've sort of haven't really formed too much of an opinion on it, except for the fact that I say I would like to see a solution to climate change, a solution to greenhouse gas emissions set up in a way that would have as little government if not no government involvement as possible and how many laws are there protecting businesses that are allowed to just pump out as much co2 as they want to would there be laws put in place or would there be tort laws put in place would there be common law things that happen with people pumping out CO2 and then you and I can sue that business in the name of, you know, my, I guess my health and my safety or something. I don't know. I mean, I I still haven't figured out how to solve the problem of global warming or climate change or greenhouse gas emission, like the release of greenhouse gases under a, you know, an anarchist point of view. And a lot of people think that they have that solution to it. And a lot of people just say, you know what, there's no such thing as climate change as a hoax. I refuse to think of this as a complete hoax. I mean, I'm sitting in a car right now, you know, 
I'm sitting in a car right now doing this podcast, and when the sun is hitting the car, it heats up the inside because of the fact that they're all around me, there's heat. So that like heat builds up and things get trapped in there. And it's a fact that, you know, greenhouse gases like carbon dioxide in excess, the more carbon dioxide is in the atmosphere, the warmer the earth gets, the more methane in the atmosphere is, there is, the more, the warmer it gets. That's a fact. How far how much do you need to get to the point where it over, you know, overtakes the earth where we can't live in it anymore? I think there's people that are way too extreme on that issue. And then there's the deniers. There's the people that are on one extreme or the other that says that we're going to, in 10 years, the earth is going to be, you can't live in it anymore. That there's going to be, you know, mass destruction and, you know, hundred foot fluctuations in the ocean and tornadoes and hurricanes all over the world where it's just going to destroy everything. Like you have those crazy people. Then you have the climate deniers as well. The people that completely deny it as a hoax. I'm somewhere in the middle. Completely somewhere in the middle. But the problem with that is this. The problem that it gets back to it is that if you type in global warming or if you type in anything to do with climate change or CO2 emissions or the effects of them or whatever. If you type that into Google, you get extreme views on both sides. Every news article that you see, you get an extreme view on that side or an extreme view on the opposite side. But there's no middle ground. It's hard to find just the facts, Jack. It's all propaganda for one side or the other in everything that you see in it. So you just get so much of it, pages and pages and pages on Google of just junk information. And I was reading this one article today about global warming and climate change and the effects of it. And then I get down to the bottom and it says this is uh, this particular article was put in this, I think it was in the Washington Post or something. And it said this article was put in the Washington Post in the collaboration between 300 news agencies that have decided to make it, like, put global warming and climate change at the forefront of their articles. And then I clicked on that, and the coalition, the, the coalition is designed so that they will push the agenda of climate change and global warming towards people. And, you, and I think to myself, well, why are, they, why are they getting together to try to, you know, put these really far not far left, I can't say that, but these really extreme views, because it's not a left or right issue, it's a, it's a climate issue, right? But they're trying to put these extreme side of the views, like, in 10 years, Miami's going to be underwater. In 10 years, if we don't change everything, we're going to have a mass extinction event. Like, they have these really extreme views that are not the median, that's not the average of that's not the consensus of what scientists are saying there's a few scientists that say well you know what if we don't you know change right now that in 10 years we're going to be past the tipping point and then by you know the year 20 2100 or something like that you're going to have 15 feet sea level rises but most of them say you know what? A, a few inches like most of them say like where is the where is the middle ground on it what are most of the scientists saying not the extreme 
the extreme views of it. Some of them are saying, oh, it's a hoax. That's an extreme view. And then the other extreme view is to say, we're going to have 15-foot sea level rises and that Earth is going to be uninhabitable for human beings. So what are the scientists really saying? Like, what's the, what's the consensus? That's what I want to find, and I couldn't find it. I'm looking and looking and looking for this information, and I couldn't find it. But then you find all these people that are like sociolog- sociology climate experts or, um, you know, paleo, I, I don't know, like all these different scientists that are not really environmental scientists that have their views on things. You got like a philosopher that has these views on things. Like you start finding information from people that aren't really climate scientists that have their opinions on things. And that's the majority of the articles that you look at is just propaganda. Absolute propaganda from people that are not experts, but they have a doctor in front of their names. so So they can call themselves an expert, but they're not experts. So when you guys are out there looking at articles, when you guys are looking for information and facts... Just keep that in mind, okay? Most of the information that you find is someone's opinion. It's just some idiot's opinion about a certain subject. You need to learn to form these opinions for yourself. You need to learn to look at things critically. Critical thinking. I and mean, we, we all probably have those guys, I'm sure. Especially in my listening audience. You guys definitely have critical thinking skills. But that was what just was really irking me over the weekend. I was just trying to find research on different, a few different topics just because I like to study different things so I could find out more information so I could bring that information to you guys. And it was just about to drive me freaking crazy, man. Absolutely crazy trying to find this information because there was none. It was just a bunch of idiots' opinions about climate change and about this Ukrainian thing that's going on. And I was just like, God, man. I just need to find some good information. Then I was like, you know what? I'll just do an article on the propaganda that's out there. That's what I'll do. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So yeah, that was it, man. That that was pretty much. That's pretty much what I wanted to talk about today. But then I started looking a little bit further into a couple different polls and stuff, and it's showing. You know, most of these polls are still showing Joe Biden pretty much leading the leading the uh, the twenty twenty presidential race, right? Like he's going to be the nominee according to a lot of these polls. And he might have his gaffes and all that stuff, but I was just sitting there thinking about it. And I was like, well, let me look into a little bit deeper in one of these polls. Cause one of them was showing him like 33% with Elizabeth Warren, like 22% or something like that. And then I was like, well, when you, when you click on the actual poll, you'll get a lot of, of little cool numbers that you'll find. Right. And this is the one that I thought was really interesting. And I wanted to bring to you guys because this just shows where we are at as a country when it comes to the election right now. It also shows where we're at as a country in 2012, right? And uh, it's interesting because it just shows how involved people are in politics right now, which is strange to me. Very strange. It says, how interested in, are you in the 2020 presidential election, right? That was part of the poll. September 17th through, or 15th through 17th, they did the poll and it said 59% of people are extremely, extremely interested in the 2020 presidential election. 59%, 23% are very, so that would be almost 80% 
or 82% is that? Yeah, that's 82% of people that are extremely or very interested in the 2020 presidential election. Now, if I back up to September of 2011, that is the, that is, that is Barack Obama at the same time in his presidency, right? Same time in his presidency. He's one year from a re-election. Same with Donald Trump, one year from re-election. September 2011, extremely interested, was 32%. And very was 33%. So 60, 65% of people were extremely or very. That just blows my mind that so many more people are interested in the election right now than there were back then. But a lot of the people that they, that they interviewed, I was looking at this, it was like 42% Democrat, or sorry, Susie, 42% Republicans and like 53% Democrats. So they had a lot more Democrats than they had Republicans as well that they interviewed for this particular poll. So you're going to have skewed results based upon that a little bit. Anyway, but then you get into the poll a little bit further and it said... Regardless of how you plan to vote, which Democratic candidate do you think has the best chance of beating Donald Trump? That's an interesting one as well. 42% think that Joe Biden has the best chance of beating Donald Trump. 17% think that Bernie Sanders does. Elizabeth Warren has 12%. Kamala Harris is down to 4%. Cory Booker, 3 Pete Buttigieg, 2 Beto O'Rourke, 2 Andrew Yang, 2 Joe Biden is a clear winner on that. And you guys know this. I've said this in the past. Democrats only are concerned about beating Donald Trump. And if 42% of them think that he has the best chance of beating Donald Trump, and then it goes down to Bernie at 17%, because I know Bernie Sanders can't beat Donald Trump. I just don't think see it happening. But Joe Biden, I've always said, yeah, probably could. Head to head. Definitely could. So, um... Because he's seen as the moderate, and he'll bring the moderates there. And also, he'll bring the age group that's above 45, and they're the most likely to vote. If you look at it, age group 45 or older, 38%, or excuse me, yeah, above 45, 38% are for Joe Joe Biden, 8% are for Bernie Sanders. Is that crazy or what? And 17% for uh, Elizabeth Warren. So those are the ones that are most likely to vote people that are over 45, and they are extremely for Joe Biden as well. So that just tells me a lot, guys, and I'm sure that you can see the same thing as well. Joe Biden is clearly the person that they think can beat him, so I think that he is going to kind of coast into the nomination in some way. But we'll see. Things can change. He can have a gaffe between now and then, but we'll see. But that's my political analysis of the weekend as well. That was from a Fox News poll that was done, and... uh It's just interesting to see the way that these people are because people are very interested in this election. It says it in that poll when you have like 82% of people that are very or some are very or extremely interested in the election. Amazing. So much more back then or than now or now than back when Barack Obama was up for re-election. But then again, Barack Obama was relatively popular. Republicans probably, uh, we're up in arms about like the Obamacare thing and all that. Remember the Tea Party movement was going pretty hard back then as well. But um, 
now, I mean, Democrats just hate this guy, so I'm sure that's why it's so high. And also, um, Republicans love the guy. So, I mean, 87, 88% are for him being uh, the nominee, so that just says a lot. And uh, he's kind of made it so it can be polarized like that. Like, Donald Trump has polarized the two sides so much that it gets the the election on everyone's minds. Whether that's good or bad, I think it's terrible. I think it's... Uh, but then again, divided government is good. So the more it's divided... I mean, if he gets reelected and he has a Democrat House, a Republican Senate still, then at least nothing will get done. And that'll be good for you and me. Because the less the government does, the more, the more, uh, the more we know that nothing's going to get done, and that makes some. Cause the only thing that's certain is that nothing will get done, and uh, markets love certainty, so it'll probably be good for the stock market as well, be good for the economy. That typically is, and uh, we'll see where it goes from there. But um, that is my Monday show. So I appreciate you guys coming out and joining me today. Uh, for another week in the life of the 2020 election. Go ahead and subscribe to the show if you can. Come on back tomorrow, and you'll have clear vision for 2020. Hey, guys, I'm excited to announce the new podcast I'm coming out with called First Year in Sales with Ray Eaton. Now, if you're not a salesperson, then it might not be for you. But if you are a salesperson, or if you know another salesperson, go ahead and direct them towards this show. It's going to be a show that is based upon helping somebody that's in their first year in sales, or maybe even somebody that is in sales already and just wants to brush up on some of the sales skills that they need in order to be successful. I'm focusing on habits and also different parts of the sales process in order to help people to become more successful in their sales job. So like I said, if you know somebody that's in sales, or if you yourself are in sales, go ahead and check out this podcast that's on all of your podcatchers, anything that you would listen to, and that is called First Year in Sales with Ray Ian.